this is an LGM. We are going to be discussing some hot topics today. Again, this is your host, Mel Janelle of Parents Voice, and today we will be discussing some major issues facing our children and what are the what is the motivation behind them. So we have a new article today. It is from youthtoday.org. And I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see that. <clears throat> okay, so youth today. <clears throat> Let's get that back, get back there. Okay. All right. All right, so here we have pulled up the article and we have some interesting information. We are terrified police and our schools will harm us. This is by Josea Galata of youthtoday.org and it talks about the police officers who are now at schools. Every day I walk into school greeted with silencing stares from armed police officers. They're not facing the windows or the doors looking out for a stranger who could walk in and hurt my friends and me. Their eyes are on us, not some external threat. We walk past them silently, afraid that anything we do or say will be perceived as a threat that will lead to suspension, arrest, or worse, physical harm. It's just such a shame that children can't go to school and feel comfortable and enjoy learning because they're afraid that of the glares of the people that are supposed to protect them. And why do they have to be uh, to live in this type of fear? What is what kind of environment are we fostering here where the police is actually the enemy? Our schools have normalized this fear by allowing officers to patrol our hallway and criminalize us. In my county, a police officer was celebrated for tasing a black freshman girl three times in her school cafeteria. How can I ever trust that there will be justice if I am hurt by a police officer in my school when they are never held accountable and their violent behavior continuously goes unchecked? Instead of providing critical resources for teachers whom students trust, districts are lining the pockets of violent police officers. So it seems now that there's always the solution to any type of issue is to fund the police more or more police officers on the street. And it's an ever-growing surveillance state where everywhere you go, you're watched. Anything you do, it's like the kids are in prison. If they're going to school where they're surrounded by police officers and guards, they're not really at school, are they? They're 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 already in, in prison. So the prison to the, the school to prison pipeline is not too far fetched of a concept because when you look at the schools, they're turning into prisons themselves. And in addition to that, um, so many uh, youth are being rerouted from schools to juvenile detention centers that are nothing more than prisons for children. So that is an article that I thought I'd share with you today about how our schools are turning into prisons and how unsafe our children feel. They feel less safe 
with the police there not more safe? And why do we continue to subject them to that type of treatment? Are they criminals? No. Now, the next article I'm going to share with you are some overwhelming statistics about foster children. This statistics comes from genjustice.org. That's G-E-N-J-U-S-T-I-C-E dot org. And it reads, as of January 19th, 2021, disappearing and dying. Why 20,000 kids disappear from foster care every year and how to end the crisis. And yes, I said 20,000 children disappear from state custody every year. And this is from the people who are claiming to protect them. So are we seeing a trend here that the people who are saying that they are here to protect, i.e. police, social workers, um, shelters, are actually doing the harming and are not safe places at all? Well, let's get down to the article here. This is from Phoenix, Arizona. The number of children who have disappeared from the nation's foster care system has more than doubled in the past six years. According to a just-released Gen Justice issue brief, more than doubled in the past six years. So is the foster care system improving or is it getting worse? In Disappearing and Dying, Gen Justice founder... Darcy Olson and Chief Counsel Rebecca Masterson detail the national crisis and recommend reforms for lawmakers. The fact there is little effort to locate missing foster children and even less hope of recovering them, said Master said. On an average day, 55 children disappear from the U.S. foster care system. An unknown number of the missing are taken and trafficked by pedophiles. So they have no idea. Other missing children are killed, like Anaya Walker of Arizona, whose body was found on a Phoenix freeway last year. Traffickers know that children who go missing from foster care probably will not be searched for. A fact shared before Congress by Wathelma Pettigrew, who went missing from foster care when she was 10 years old. Kidnapped by a predator, he raped, beat, and sold her for sex. No one looks for us, Pettigrew testified. I really want to make this clear. No one looks for us. And why is that? Is it because they don't want to accept responsibility for the fact that they put these children in a position where they were to be trafficked or kidnapped by a predator, raped, beaten, abused or neglected in other ways? And these are the people who are claiming to protect them and uh, in their secret courts, removing the rights of parents. Well, foster children are in legal care and custody of the state, state said Olson, a 10-time foster mom. The state has a responsibility to find these children, but what are they doing about this responsibility? So there you have it, folks. There's a, there's a statistic, 20,000 kids disappear from foster care every year with no effort or no ability to locate them. And what are we going to do about that? And is foster care truly the solution that they claim 
will help when it is such a highly, highly dangerous situation. Well, we're going to move right on here to our next article about the corrupt business. Yes, Child Protective Services has become a business. And we are getting this information from parentalrights.org. Again, that's parentalrights.org. And we have documented several cases, especially coming from the late Senator Nancy Schaefer from the 50th District of the Georgia State. Child Protective Services has become a corrupt business. And I think that it was said long before her by JFK, who was, un, who was assassinated for exposing the same cabal. Uh, she gave a speech in 2008, and I will read a bit from that speech before we have our guest, and it goes like this. My introduction into Child Protective Services case was due to a grandmother in an adjoining state who called me with her tragic story. Her two granddaughters had been taken from her daughter who lived in my district. Her daughter was told wrongly that if she wanted to see her children again, she should sign a paper and give up her children. Frightened and young, the daughter did. I have since discovered that parents are often threatened into cooperation of permanent separation of their children. And this happens all too often where uh, parents are put in a position by a and threatened under duress by state officials who are kidnapping under the color of law and told that if they ever want to even visit or see or potentially reunite with their children, they must agree to a permanent separation, which seems contrary to the goal, but that is exactly what they're told so many times. The children were taken to another county and placed in foster care. The foster parents were told wrongly that they could adopt the children. The grandmother then jumped through every hoop known to man in order to get her granddaughters. When the case finally came to court, it was made evident by one of the foster parents' children that the foster parents had at any time, any given time, 18 foster children, and that the mother had an inappropriate relationship with a caseworker. So this was the mother who was had the 18 foster children. She was dating the caseworker, and therefore she was able to get any child that she wanted through the caseworker's threats uh, based on her power that she was granted, that was granted to her by the state, which was granted to the state by the federal government to intervene in people's daily lives. So in the courtroom, the juvenile judge acted, although she was shocked, and so the two girls would be removed quickly. They were not removed Finally, after much pressure being applied to the Department of Family and Children's Services of Georgia, the children were driven to South Georgia to meet their grandmother, who gladly drove to meet them. Now, there's a we could go on about the lengths of this story, but eventually um, the children were adopted and they were uh, through no wrongdoing by the family. And this is to the point where forced adoptions are happening all the time by uh bully and crony caseworkers who are like the mob and will take your children from you. There's nothing you could do. Well, in addition to American children who are being taken, there are immigrants 
at the border who are being detained in facilities. And these are immigrant children detained like criminals in what they called overflow facilities. But let's find out a little bit more about these facilities. All right. And as of May 4th, this article coming from the Council of Foreign Relations, U.S. detention of child migrants. Tens of thousands of unaccompanied children have been arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border each year. And they say un unaccompanied, but I want to interject there. Many, these tens of thousands of children are actually not accompanied, are actually accompanied because the parents and the family who come with the minors are fleeing whatever um, state instability that was most likely caused by an outside force. They're fleeing that, that terrorism in their state and they're told that they can come here for respite, but they don't have their papers and documents with them. So it's very easy for a mother and a father with their children to cross the border and be told that they are actually child traffickers. And because they don't have any proof of birth or proof of citizenship, they're immediately um, considered a criminal and their children are separated from them. And they are told, they tell the news media that they're coming unaccompanied. But I think we know many abuelitas and lovely Mexican mothers, and I don't think any of them would send their children across the border by themselves or they absolutely dote over their children and barely let them out of the house by themselves, let alone cross a border hundreds of thousands of miles away. So here we see that regular parents are again being accused of committing crimes when they have done absolutely nothing wrong and they're being separated from their children. And then a false narrative is being promoted by mainstream media that tells others that these children are coming unaccompanied. And isn't that the same narrative that we hear from the Department of Health and Human Services, the same people in charge of child welfare services who say that these orphaned and abandoned and abused and neglected foster children are, are in need of homes, but, but when in actuality they have loving, fit parents and these unaccompanied minors or quote-unquote unaccompanied minors, minors are coming across the border with loving, fit families who may be poor or destitute, but they are not child traffickers or smugglers. They are the original parents. They are the biological family members. And the false narrative that the children are unaccompanied is absolutely untrue. Now, regardless of whether you believe that these families should be here or be not, well, the issue is when you, once you separate children from families and detain the children, the parents really have no choice but to stay. They can't leave because their children are here. So are they really immigrating or are they being forced to come here and stay? Because now they're forced to stay and, and are ultimately a slave to the system because they have to do whatever they need to do in order to get their children back. 
So at the let's look at the statistics for the numbers of children who are in U.S. detention centers and try to decipher some of this out and see through the smoke and mirrors that are being promoted. It says that immigration authorities encountered nearly 18,900 unaccompanied minors at or near the U.S.-Mexico border in March 2021, far eclipsing the previous monthly record set in May 2019. So it says that 18,900 unaccompanied minors at or near the U.S.-Mexico border in March 2021. So they have nearly 20,000 children, and these are not adults, 20,000 children who are in detention. About 77% of the children in federal care are 15 years of age or older, though authorities have detained infants and toddlers. So now, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have infants and toddlers who are in detention here for, for doing nothing at all. Uh, of course, the false, the false, neb, the false narrative says some arrive with family members and are separated at the border, which is the majority. Others are abandoned by smugglers or fellow migrants near the border. So they tell you, uh, they tell you part of the story. Some arrive with family members and are separated. And that's not only some, but the majority. So let's see what happens to detained children. Most accompanied children are detained at or near the U.S. southern border, often turning themselves into authorities. Their entry into the immigration system triggers a multi-agency response guided by several laws and a court settlement. So they turn themselves in, according to the article, as if they are a felon or a criminal on the run. And they're immediately taken over to the Department of Homeland Security and the Health and Human Services who can now start trafficking and making money off of these people. And I guess soliciting their new voter base because they now have isolated themselves from absolutely everyone, regardless of their political affiliation. Again, DHS is the first agency involved um, under a 2015 court decision related to Flores and the 2008 William Wilberforce Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Acts, which codifies certain Flores protections, officials must aim to keep minors less than one month. Of course, they can aim, but they never do that. All they have to do is aim, and that's the illusory promise. They don't actually have to do it. And you can just say, I tried. That's it. Nonetheless, they can hold children longer than this during emergencies. So given the emergency, they can hold them longer. So this is why they like to declare a state of emergency, folks, so they can always skirt the rules that they're already not following. Um, it is responsibilities include apprehension, processing, and if necessary, the return of children to their countries of origin, customs and border protection at DHS agency, now, who knew that Customs and Border Protection were an agency of 
the Department of Health and Human Services. And they initially detain children at the border and interview them and do medical tests against their will. So instead of turning people away at the border, which would seem like the logical thing to do in the case of a pandemic and in the case that they're crossing over in an unorderly fashion, or (laughs) instead of actually not taking on the responsibility of additional people at this moment when there's so much going on, they're bringing people in and housing them. So we hear the first narrative that they have to release people from prison, which I'm not really opposed to because many people are locked up uh, when they shouldn't be. But you hear the first narrative that they have to release the overcrowded prisons. And then you hear that they're taking in um, thousands and thousands of individuals and housing them and not allowing them to leave. So what does that mean? Are people coming over illegally? Or are we actually trafficking them and trapping them here and making them stay? I don't know. At this point, DHS can repatriate Canadian and Mexican unaccompanied children who it determines are capable of making the decision to withdraw the request for entry, are not at risk of trafficking, and can safely return home. How often do they do this? We don't know. But they have a long... uh. They have all types of custody arrangements and agreements and things that they must decide and sort out before. And even the court case, they must they must attend a court case before they can be released um, and have their freedom back. So child migrant crossings decrease for the year 2020, but immigration counting court backlogs continue to rise. Uh, They actually rose more during the Trump administration than they did during the Obama administration, even though they're both horrific. Trump pursued hardline measures to debtor asylum seekers, including expanding detention and increasing family separations. And as I mentioned before, folks, these politicians are all the same. It doesn't matter who. What if they change their hat or they change their hair or they put on a different suit or one day they're Republican or the next they're Democratic or one day they're Catholic or Protestant? They work for these same individuals. And with that, I am going to take a pause and come back to answer any questions from our guests. Okay, you guys. So let's get down to it. We have wondered for so long. What is the real reason behind all of the trafficking of children? Is it for money? Well, the government doesn't need money. They print money. They can make it out of thin air. They tell us that because as individuals who don't have it, we may understand that motivation for people to want to profit. But I think it's much more sinister. And I do believe that we have a challenge here that we're facing Um, a spiritual challenge, as if the principalities in high places that we're struggling with are actually, um, they actually get their authority, their power and authority from the God of this world. 
And therefore, when we look at these institutions that are supposed to give us relief, like the court system or the um, look at the court system, you look at the, the different agencies by the government, the Department of Justice, the Inspector General, the Attorney General, and all these people have all agreed to collude together in order to commit treason against the most the high the most high the installer of governments because the government was originally granted authority um to to execute law by the most high god however they decided to go astray and have now been fundamentally corrupted by um the god of this world and they no longer offer the protections and are even so much against the people now that uh, for the most, for most people, the government is probably there. Um, you know, the, I don't know. It's, they, it, it's for, for a lot of people is their biggest enemy, but it's also their, their biggest, biggest assistance. So it's so hard. How do you go to the same person who helps you is the same person that's beating up on you. It's like a dysfunctional relationship. So what we're going to do today is um, pray for our leaders and uh, pray that they are um, able to help us and lead us in the right direction and they don't they don't become susceptible to the different threats. So I got this great book here that I have been reading and it's a must have for anyone who is dealing with diabolical and very stubborn demonic and spiritual warfare in their life. And that is a lot of us. A lot of us are dealing with warfare, struggle, getting closer and closer to um, end time events that are taking place. So I want to provide you with some information that you might really, really want to check out. So this right here is a book. It's called Minor Exorcisms and Deliverance Prayers in Latin and in English. And it is... It was pretty, uh, let's see who compiled it. It looks like it's by the Reverend Edward J. Slattery, Bishop of Tulsa. The opening says the prayers in this book are a combination of the prayers of the Roman Catholic Church and public domain. The translations of the Latin minor exorcisms in English are copywritten and may not be rep reproduced in whole or in part without the express permission of census tradition in, in press. So we are not going to read those. We are going to make sure that we read the, uh, the deliverance prayers here. All right. So some of the deliverance prayers are so interesting because they talk so much about um, the, uh, some of the things that we go through. So they have one here on binding. So we talked about how you bind things. You can bind things. What's bound on earth is going to be bound in heaven. So how do we bind things here? Okay, I see it's your own whole Desiree, so I'm going to let you come on and um, 
start your interview. Today we have Miss Desiree Peterson joining us. Hey, Chica, Hi. how you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Fine. You getting a tan out there or are you staying in the shade? I'm in the shade <laughs> right now, but I'm always in the sun. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you could join us today because we were just getting into some really interesting stuff. I, I shared a couple of articles about um, the different situations of how a child can end up in detention, whether it's from just going to school. Um, we have children from crossing the border who are in detention. And then we have um, our own our own American citizens, our own young children who are being taken and detained, but not in the same way. They're being detained from their families and separated. Desiree, could you tell us a little bit about your story? We've heard that um, so many children are being separated from loving fit homes and trafficked through child welfare services who claim they want to help children, but have a much, much, much broader agenda. Oh, and yes. you just want to put a face to the story because so many people think that this happens to someone else, but you, this has happened to right. you, right? Yes. And mind you, I'm a college graduate. I own my own home, a nice home. Um, I had three kids under five at the time. So you could just imagine. And wow, all three of your children. Huh? And all, all three of your children are away from you? I had four total. But three were under five at the time. And yeah, so five, three, and eight months. Oh, I'm so sorry about that, Mom. I know you must be really, really going through a lot right now. And we all have. It probably never ends. So my ex-husband didn't want to pay child support. And me and my sister were kind of estranged. And she ended up letting him move in with her against my wishes with my son. And called CPS on me for a lie. And here we are today. Um, I didn't get along with the social worker. He actually ended up stalking me. I asked for a replacement and I never got an answer. So he showed up at my house with nobody inside. All adults were outside. The social worker and the police confirmed where my kids were at my nanny's house. I was remodeling, getting ready to sell the house. And they broke in. They busted down my door and helped themselves into my house. Wow. No warrant. So, yes, so these people, I mean, as a woman, you probably feel extremely uh, violated because Absolutely. not only were these men just in your house who could have done anything to you, but they were violating your space. I mean, <laughs> you think you're right. safe in your own home. Well, my boyfriend was there outside with me, but still, um, yeah, absolutely violated. Um, No warrant, no response. I even went to another police department to ask for help because I had a court order for my older kids. So I wanted them to enforce it and allow me to have my older kids. And they said, be careful. CPS is like the law. And I was like, what do you mean like the law? They said, just be careful. Now I understand what they mean. They're not the law, but they're like the law. It doesn't make sense. Above the law, it seems like. They are right now, unfortunately. Now, are you a survivor of domestic violence? No. Okay. So would you say that, um, how would your, how did your husband and your sister play a role in all this? 
Um, so my ex-husband was a truck driver and my son was having a hard time with my youngest children being that they were getting all the attention. So I actually had my son go live with my ex-husband for a while. Nothing bad. It was just his time to be with dad. That's the way I saw it. Me and his father didn't get along, but I felt like a boy needs his dad sometimes. So that's yeah. what I allowed to happen. I temporarily allowed my son to go with his father across the country to be with his dad. I felt like that's what he needed. And he didn't want to give him back when he lost his job. He always loses his job. He's very unstable. And I wanted my son back and he wouldn't give him back. And my sister and I have always been like estranged. Yes. Because we're just complete opposite. But now how did DPSS get involved? What exactly did they say? Well, CPS, make uh, CPS got involved because my ex-husband had called them about a sewer sewage leakage and that was dismissed, but he still wanted to keep coming back. Why he wanted to keep coming back, why he had to go in my house after he knew my kids were safe. He already seen my kids. I honestly couldn't tell you what his problem was other than there was something mentally wrong with this guy. He you should think not it had be to do with him not wanting to pay child support. Uh, my ex husband did not want to pay his child support, and he did not want to give me my son because he didn't want to have to pay child support for him. And I even offered to waive it. I said I won't even ask for child support for my son; just give him back, so yeah. he could be stable and back at his old school. Yeah. So how? So how is it that your children end up? What kind of court case did they have for you, and how did they take them away from me permanently? Um, well, I didn't get a hearing. Okay. So this happened January 20th, 2017. They didn't give me a warrant until a week later, seven days at seven days later at 8 30 PM. They came to my door with the warrant. I didn't get a hearing until the second of the next month. And then it just kept getting postponed. I never got a trial. I made it get transferred to a different County because I sold my home and my boyfriend ended up acquiring another home in a different county cps couldn't even decide whether or not i was the problem or the home was a problem because they were complaining about the remodel mess being that well, i was so yeah. you're in you're undergoing remodeling so there's going to be a little bit of mess there it can't <laughs> that's the remodeling process i mean literally pulled up with the truck full ready to go to the dump when they came i had my truck I used to have a Cadillac EXT and my bed was full and I needed help tying it down. And so I went back well, home. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Desiree. Is that, do you think that that was just a reasoning that they just gave? They just said that in order to have a reason? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Because actually I went to their main office and talked to the court investigator and asked him to solidify the problem. Is it me? Is it the home? Because I can you go away for explanation of what exactly you could do to fix it. And you right. wanted to remedy whatever concern they had. And they really couldn't, couldn't give you an answer. Right. <laughs> and they've, done, they've done three amended complaints. Put it that way. They, amended, they changed the complaint several times. So they were really just times. trying to find something to say, uh, anything to complain about. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's just been a nightmare. Um, none so of them. where are you at your case now? Um, well, my mom has guardianship of my youngest daughter and the rest of the children are with their dads. So I haven't lost permanent custody, but the case is closed. So 
whatever that means to these people. Yes. I'm sure you're happy that they're no longer in your life at the very least, even if things aren't exactly the way you want them to be. Oh, I believe they're still in my life. (laughs) I'm not going away. I am not going away. And I think they are terrorists. I believe they're domestic terrorists. They are bleeding our system dry. They will be the destruction of America if we continue to allow it to continue. Because if you look at California, I know it's not like California, the rest of the country, but California has so many homeless people that have been affected by them. I mean, the majority of them have been impacted by CPS one way or another, whether it's their parents or their children that aged out. Almost everybody on the streets here has been touched by CPS. So in my opinion, they actually are the product of the, the system, and this is what yes. it can't turn out to be. That's yes, so interesting. And I, yes, and the border, too. The border is 100% them. I wouldn't doubt they were the ones down there enticing people to come. Well, did you know that the Customs and Border Patrol is actually a agency of the Department of Health and Human Services? I did not know. Now, that's DHS. Yes, who also, yes, they are also a child welfare or children's bureau is also an agency of of the Department of Health and Human Services. See, I didn't think Homeland Security was attached to Health and Human Services. Oh, well, I actually meant to say that um, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, they are the over agency of the Customs and Border Patrol, not DH, not Homeland Security like most people think. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I know. It seems they're all connected one way or another. Yeah, exactly. It's a multiple agency thing from what I've been reading. When they come into, they, they are connected with both of these agencies uh, somehow. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess my question is, we recently uh, read an article before you came that there are about 20,000 children or 18,900 children this March who were in custody, who were detained immigrants. And I guess I wanted to get your opinion on how we can contain the immigration problem when we're actually keeping the children here. I don't know how there's the, the parents are supposed to go home or the fam- families can go home or do anything or go anywhere because now they're detaining them and we're keeping them. And so during a pandemic, we're having uh, how can we be detaining people and keeping them? Well, number one, the way these children are being held, they would take our children for that the way they're being held right now. If they were to come into our home, the way that they're holding these children themselves, they would take them from us. Okay, so it is definitely not a double standard here. Yeah, very much so. These poor kids are in plastic cages, and it's horrific. It looked like they had some type of aluminum foil over them. Was it a blanket or what was going on there? Yeah, it's those emergency blankets that they give you, like, if there's a fire or whatever. Wow. So mm-hmm. I think you made a great point, Desiree, in that the conditions they're holding <laughs> these families or children in are significantly, uh, they would have taken them from anyone else for those same reasons. So that's Absolutely. In a heartbeat. <laughs> Now, the way I see things, nothing's going to change until they change their whole corporate model because they're based on a business corporate model, which means if the boss doesn't bring in profits annually, like his percentage of of income doesn't increase per year, he gets fired. And that is just business. They have it set on that model until they inverse it and profit off of this money saved, like if it was commission or spiffs. 
it's this is going to continue no matter what we do. Well, Desiree, do you think it's about profit or is it about something more sinister? Is it all about money? I mean, why do they want the kids so bad? I think it's about both. They want the kids for their sadistic things that they do, but also for money. I believe it's both because they contain their power with money. And it's slavery. I mean, it's just slavery. It's you can't function without having people to live on them. Yeah, I see it as a cannibalistic economical system. Wow, Desiree, I, I think you had a you had a really interesting postcard uh, at one of our meetings that talked about how they actually I, I can't remember what you said. You said they they feed their kids by selling our kids. Is that what you said? You got that right. You got that right. And it's very unintelligent, and it's cannibalistic, and it's it should we should be able to find a way to live without having people that we live off of. Yes, they all work because they have people to serve, but yet they're not serving them. So <laughs> it's like, it's dumb and it's slavery. And if you crack it down, it's slavery. Really? Well, well, could you tell us a little bit about what you think that could be done? Um, what can the average parent do in order to... Jesus Christ, run. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, run right now. Right now, it's like... We're there. I have a Facebook page called Parents Against Protective Services with about a hundred people and okay. a couple of other groups that I'm in. And every day you hear, what do I do? I didn't do anything wrong. I never got a hearing. I have no charges. They won't let me see my kids, even though this, that, and the other. It's the same across the board. It's happening every day. It's an epidemic. So in all honesty, make them happy or they will make your life miserable. They're not possible to make them happy. Yeah, because they're narcissists. So if you kiss their ass, they'll like it. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate you for stopping by today, Desiree, and, and definitely we'll tell um, more parents to join your page. Could you tell us uh, the name of your page again for all those on yes. Facebook who want to find you? Paps, that's Parents Against Protective Services or hashtag NCPS. You should be able to find me. Awesome sauce. Well, thank you so much, Desiree. Thank you. All right. I'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Okay. All right. So we are going to be continuing here, you guys. Um, We have our next guest who should be joining us soon. I'm going to give her a ring and see if she's available here. <clears throat> All right. So in in the meantime, you guys, we're going to, we're just going to spend some time um going back to some of these uh prayers that we were talking about. So we have the these awesome prayers that anyone can use that can give them insight into how to start rebuking the enemy. As you heard, uh, Desiree said, it's a Jesus issue that the problem is so insurmountable. There is no judge, uh, government agent or anyone that can really help us at this point in time, because they have most of them have either been threatened or have been bribed into doing the wrong thing. So let's get to this binding, because we know that as children of God, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Binding prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
we completely submit and unite ourselves to God, our Father, and under the authority which he has given us and by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, we command all evil spirits that are attached to us to be bound with thy crown of thorns and to go immediately to the foot of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he may do what he wills with them. In the name of Jesus, we pray and seal this telephone, electronic equipment, light switch chair in this building with thy love and cover it with thy most precious blood. So that is a binding prayer that we pray in order to um, to release the um, any type of interference with the occult. I have another one that I'm going to read here with you about breaking occult ties. Many of us have. Uh, I'm sorry. What you say? Okay. Great. Amber, are you here with us today? Yes, hello, Bill. How are you? I'm so great. I'm so glad you can join us. I know that you are so busy um, with what you're doing, but I thought your story was so incredible that uh, people needed to hear about what you had actually experienced. So how are you doing today, Amber? Thank you very much. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So you're now. Okay. Now, where are you from, Amber? I am from Burbank, California. Okay. Now, I just spoke to another mom, and she told me a horrific story about how um, she was separated from her children in a very awkward court trial, and it's starting to become a very common story that I'm hearing here at Parents Voice. You said, I, I spoke with you earlier and you mentioned that you were dealing with something similar with family members who had, who were actually not working with you. You're dealing with um, having your children separated from you. Could you please tell us a little bit about this, your experience uh, in court precisely with um, the Department of Child and Family Services in Los Angeles County? Oh, <laughs> yes, it's... Um... It's a very tangled web. Uh, how I ended up there was as a victim of domestic violence, and so were my children. I I'm sorry, Amber. Could you could you speak into the phone a little bit more? Oh, so yes. Can you hear me a little better? Yes. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, so I was a victim of domestic violence, and my children were as well. I knew that my ex was dangerous. He's very psychologically conniving as well. So I thought if I had all the documentation to protect my son and daughter, which I did, I can go to CPS. And at the time, this was in 2019. Um, so did you turn to them for it, help? Yes. Oh, wow. So I the people did. that you turned to for help, how did that turn out? <laughs> 2019 was, I didn't know, was on the precipice of CPS being exposed as one of the number one child predator 
services, child trafficking services in the world. Um, that would mean oh other things, you know, yes, nationwide, worldwide. I went to them with proof that my ex abused my son and daughter. He busted my son's lip on numerous occasions, psychologically abused them and groomed them in fear. He sexually abused my daughter, and all they did was hide the evidence. And to the extent of pulling hospital records and and, and just making them ghosts, like they never existed. And I was there wow. physically. Wow, so, so they kind of took, they kind of assisted it with the abuser in continuing his um, abuse of you and your family. Absolutely, absolutely. And wow. I became... Mm-hmm. And uh, what I about became, you emotionally? Mm-hmm. How how did you deal with all of that? Oh, it was uh, devastating. I'm grateful that I have strong faith. I think that's the only thing that got me through it. And still is because it pulls the rug from beneath you. It is such a psychological mind mess that you can almost sort of see and draw the conclusions that they're trying to make upon the target appearance. But it's false and so outlandish that you think it's impossible. However, what a lot of parents are learning that have the ability to learn law and have the time to understand the psychology behind CPS and also just the systems like the police and family court is that in general, yeah, there's few and far, unfortunately, that are good officers, whether it's police or judicial officers. However, for the most part, we're dealing with a corrupt system. So they align themselves with people of that vibration, of that frequency, if you will. And that's, that's Would you say it was, uh, what is their motivation, Amber, behind what they do? Not that you would know, but if you were to take a guess, what do you think it might be? Finance. Or maybe they have multiple motivations. I don't know. I uh, multiple. I've become um, my own investigator, and I developed a small intel team. If someone came to us um, for help, actually, with the CPS case in Alaska, and I'm not sure how she knew I'd have those connections, but she did somehow. And we learned even more uh, through my team that, they secured children unlawfully. Uh, I'll start with finances. There's many levels of financing uh, through state, through federal, um, to make money off these children, off our children. And, and what about the abuse? I mean, what is the motivation behind letting these children be abused? That's a good question. The reason for this Again, it goes back to money. And the way they do this is because they have what they call hubs, which is just um, profit, or not, sorry, uh, excuse me, private hospitals for profit that they own. That's under their control, CPS. And um, it's run by the state. So anytime a child, for example, is not behaving, that is in CPS custody, whether or like they put them with the abusive parent who is hitting them, actually abusing them, 
they will take them and tell that parent or the foster parent to take them to the hub to get them medicated. Every time they have to go to the hub, every time they're on the medication, every time they see a doctor, it's money. It's dollar signs for CPS and everyone involved. And um, my question is, I, I, I don't want to, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of our show here, but I guess my question is, it seems as if they are, um, they profit off of the, the fact that they create the problem and then claim to solve it. However, they, uh, it's kind of like a problem solution type of situation. Now, I understand that's profitable, but do you think that there is anything, um, you, you know, you revealed to me something very interesting that our, our guests have probably never heard of, something called adrenochrome. Could you just briefly share with us a little bit about what that is and how that would be linked to child trafficking? Absolutely. So I mentioned that um, I have my team that does intel regarding CPS in Alaska. We found out about adrenochrome before it became mainstream. And we have documents that um, we came across it from the Pentagon. And it shows ledgers and documents from the CYM lab, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it in front of me. But I believe that's the correct uh, an acronym for them. And this lab is one of many where they have ledgers of children, um, where they extract their blood when they get scared, which heightens their adrenal um, hormones. And when they heighten their adrenal hormones, they harvest their blood. And they do this in many ways. Um, you don't have to go into details if it's too graphic. It, it, I, I, yeah. It yeah, so we won't, we won't go into the, the, the details, but we just wanted to know what it is. Everyone has their own unique. Yeah. Well, Amber, um, you know. Um, for many reasons. Yeah, you, um, it's a very satanic thing, too. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we might have to save that for another day to get into those more details. And, you know, yeah, but thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we hope to have you, I guess, I guess again, and maybe, um, you can share more details. Um, yeah. yeah. So could you tell, I love could, that. yes. And, um, but before you go, I just wanted to ask you a really quick question. Um, Amber, um, there's with the children that are missing, was there any type of link that goes to, um, some of our, our higher up politicians or, uh, do you do you know anything for certain? You know, not to accuse anyone, but is there anything that um, that information that you've shared that you think might be essential for the average person to understand? People who have no idea about this or how it works. Is there any you know any statement that you can make of how um, maybe government officials, without naming any specific names, or you can if you, you need to are involved in this whole situation. We do know that 20,000 foster children go missing each year. And I, I believe I talked to you something about, and you told me something about tunnels and things like that, things I really don't understand, but I'll let you share briefly um, how that works. Um, just briefly for the person who has no idea about it, Amber, could you just break it down for me? 
Um, I will do my best. That'd be a good compilation with the adrenochrome for the next time uh, we chat uh, the adrenochrome topic. But um, to try to break it down in a concise manner, yes, there are absolutely higher up. There's elite politicians. There's Hollywood um, stars that are involved down to the lower courts, uh, family courts, CPS courts that are all involved in some form of child trafficking, um, harvesting their organs, and many other satanic rituals. And I know it's hard for the average person to believe. The thing I would ask is just to suspend what you feel is outlandish for, for your comfort level and to look at really what is going on around you. How many people are CEOs are stepping down? Um, from big organizations, how many politicians right now, left and right, are with facts being um, accused of child trafficking and also pedophilia with facts. And it's, you know, they all protect each other. Someone asked me before, well, if this is really happening, if Hollywood's evolved and upper politicians and lower courts and all these people, it would come out. Someone would say something. However, they're all in bed with each other. Yeah, and they cover up for each other so bad, don't they? They do. They do. And I would ask that people just try to um, suspend what they feel is um, the reality. (laughs) It is crazy. It is crazy that they do this, but just because it's crazy it does not mean that it's not true and it's not happening. Well, thank you, Amber. That was really, really um, helpful. And um, I'd love to have you on next time and maybe you can prepare some uh, some more information for us to help us understand in detail and the evidence that you have obtained um, for your research and the research of your team. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Okay, I'll talk to you. Have a blessed day. You as well. Take care. Thank you for having me on your show. Okay. (laughs) Take care. Well, that is our show for today, folks. We got into some very detailed topics. We didn't get a chance to expand, but there you have it. We have the children that are going missing from child welfare services. We don't know where they're going. And then we have the connection um, with the child trafficking and the uh, the QAnon. And so we're, we're trying to put the links together here. If you know any information or if you have any insight, please call um, 1-866-554-4253. Or you can come to our website and give us any type of leads or tell us your story. And that is www.save-our-kids.com. That's www.save-our-kids.com. S-A-V-E dash O-U-R dash K-I-D-S dot com. Thank you all so much for joining me this time. And we will be rebuking the enemy again and listening to more parents share their stories on Parents Voice next time. Have a blessed day.